Columbus City Council wants a little privacy. These topics and more coming up next. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at COSIDE, this is Columbus on the Record. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Kathy Kandiski, State House reporter for the Columbus Dispatch. William Hershey, State House reporter for the Dayton Daily News. Dale Butland, Democratic strategist. And Bob Clegg, Republican strategist. Columbus City Council wants to do some of its business behind closed doors. Not much, it says, just a few things. Council members say the city charter is lacking when it comes to how to use executive private sessions. So it may ask voters to approve a change to the charter to clarify the rules. Now, among those occasional private meetings they want to hold are the ones where the council would interview potential appointed city council members. Kathy Kandiski, I thought state law took care of this. Some things can be private, some things can't. Why do they have to change the charter? Because it's not in the city charter, so they need it in there to authorize it. You're right, that what they're talking about doing would mirror state law, which allows bodies to go into executive session for such things like discussions about litigation or personnel matters. The problem with this, though, is the timing. You know, this is, it comes at a time when I think citizens want more transparency in their government, not less. And even though perhaps a lot of other government entities and bodies do meet in private for these kind of issues, it's just a bad time to ask for it. Let's take a look at what the charter actually says. It, you're right, it's not in there. There's not even a provision no. in, the, in the city charter. It says any and all meetings of any board, commission, department, or any city agency or authority are declared to be public meetings open to the public at all times. Now, if you look at Dublin City Charter, Upper Arlington City Charter, they say private meetings in accordance with state law. So that's all they have to do is just add that one little phrase, right? Is that all they're going to do after this big review process? Uh, I think that's all they probably would like to do, but I, I agree with Kathy. I, I think this is a really bad timing politically for, for City Council to attempt to do this, and I think what the current uh, phrasing that you just did is probably what the vast majority of people would like to see continue on. So I think that uh, public officials will take any chance to meet in private. I think the Columbus City Charter is terrific. I hope we leave it the way it is as mm -hmm. a Columbus resident. Uh, why shouldn't they know about the people who want to serve on city council? They're going to pay uh, their salaries and they talk about a zone of privacy around a, a public elected official. I don't think there should be much of a zone of privacy. If they want to be a private citizen, let them work for a private company. Mm -hmm. And, and that is the reason that I agree with Kathy that this is, and, and with uh, Bob, that this is uh, probably, this is going to be an uphill fight to get this thing done because the Republicans will make, I mean, this is not going to be a bipartisan effort. The Republicans will make the point just like Bill did. Look, all they're trying to do is hide from you what they're doing when they interview these candidates uh, to fill the empty council seats. And secondly, if this year is characterized by anything, it is suspicion of voters for incumbents and government in general. And uh, I think that uh, uh, Mr. Mendel and his uh, supporters are going to have a hard time convincing skeptical voters that in 2010 they don't let politicians do anything in private. You know, when I read this, I was surprised that they didn't have the state law provision in there because I hadn't read it before. I just assumed that, you know, yeah, you blame negotiations, litigation, they close the doors and they kick the reporters out. But it says any meeting at any city agency <coughs> is a public meeting. Does that mean we can go into a one-on-one -on -one meeting between a, the health director and one of her assistants? That's, or? that's what you would think, but I don't think that's the way it's worked. This yeah. issue came up when council was meeting privately to 
talk to people who were interested in an appointment to the council and then they would they would interview the, the potential candidates and then they would evidently make a selection in private and then come into an open meeting at some point later and and announce it um, so that's that's how this all came up you would you would think there are occasions that maybe litigation and things yeah. but I guess how it's worked in the past with them is they have one-on-one -on -one conversations it's all kind of you know are we naive, even Informal. if all these meetings were, quote, public, that the decisions are all made between when the gavel goes down the first time, when the gavel goes down the second time? I mean, these meetings are all made, these decisions are all made in private meetings, caucuses, phone calls, you well, know, the whispers point. in the hallway and things you like that. You make a good point. State government is conducted mostly behind closed doors. The caucus that controls the <coughs> legislature and the Senate, it's the Republicans. They make their decisions and come in and put on like a show trial. The Democrats in the House do the same thing. So we have little enough public uh, decision making now. Uh, I think we would be naive to think that most decisions are made in public. And I think they would get around this, either doing it one-on-one -on -one or some way where it's, you know, it's not an official meeting so it doesn't have to be in public. But I think there is some Im importance to this because I mean, when you look at the fact that all seven city council members currently were first appointed, yes. I mean, that means, I mean, geez, I mean, this appointment process is a pretty important thing. And, you know, probably we should err on the side of making sure that it is in the open as much as humanly possible. Right. These are public, public officials in public offices serving <coughs> the public. Meetings should be public. How about changing the city charter that when someone quits or is, wins another office and resigns that you hold another election? To fill that seat and not have an appointment. A special election. A special election. Right. Or even wait till May. It would cost four or five months. Yeah. Well, you wait till May or November when you're already going to have an wait election. Wait till the next one. Of course, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. They do say that they have a hard time getting qualified candidates if they have these interviews open to the public. Hey. You're not going to get a good business person to. So, to all apply. the good candidates want to be people who meet behind closed doors. They must have skeletons in their closet <laughs> they don't want us to know about. There must be something wrong with them. Yeah. 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 And if, if they do have a problem, like that's not going to come out after they get appointed to council. I mean, it's a, it's actually to the council's benefit to have this in public so that there, if there is any problems, it happens before they appoint somebody versus after. Okay. Err on the side of openness. Yep. Topic two, public employee pensions were on the front pages all over the state last Sunday. Ohio newspapers got together and did a story on how some well-paid public employees retired with nice pensions, then they unretired took another high-paying job while still collecting the pension. It's called double-dipping, and the newspaper investigation found it cost governments about $1 billion a year around Ohio. Dale Butlin, should a superintendent be allowed to retire, collect his or her pension, and then come back to the same job and still collect the pension? Well, the defenders of that idea say, uh, and with some justification, that it really doesn't cost the taxpayers any more money because you would have to, even if that person retires, the taxpayers are still on the hook for his or her uh, pension. Then if you have to hire someone to replace them, you still are on the hook for that person's salary. They say you might even save a little money if the person who's been rehired doesn't have to make any more pension contributions that uh, the hiring entity has to pay. But the point is they have a public relations nightmare here of the first order. But I would also say to you, Mike, that I think that the pension problem, not just here in Ohio, but across the country, goes far deeper and, and is, uh, than just double dipping. The problem is states are broke. 
Uh, the unfunded liability just for teachers in this state is about $40 billion. Across the country, it's about a trillion dollar shortfall for public employees. Not only that, but the defined benefit plan that public employees have stand in st stands in stark contrast to the defined contribution uh, contribution plans that most private sector employees have. And uh, I don't think the taxpayers are going to be keen on paying even more taxes so that public employees can get a better pension, better, be better pension benefits than they themselves have and can collect sometimes for three or four decades because they can retire so early. So what's the solution? Increase the retirement age? Uh, prevent the double dipping? You can't collect the pension if you've got another similar job? I think that's what you're going to see the legislature do first is try and... Uh, make it so it's more difficult to do d to double dip. I think that's the immediate thing. The problem, as Dale pointed out, it's it's just there's it's legal. They're allowed to do it. You wish these people well in life, but gee, it stinks. It's it just sounds bad. No matter how you try and explain it, it sounds bad. But you got to go after the bigger problem, which is a system that encourages people to retire and go on pensions. You know, at fifty or whenever it is. That's There's the another problem. issue too. There's 613 or 614 school districts. The number always seems to be changing. But this, this system presupposes that there aren't young people coming up who can do these jobs. Yeah. And this is true for superintendents as well as teachers. When this happens, someone is not getting a superintendent's job. I read in some of the stories, well, we can't find qualified people. Well, that doesn't say much about our state and our ability to train administrators. And this is a case with teachers, too. Uh, retiring teachers who come back and rehire. This is keeping young teachers from getting jobs, and I don't think that's good for the future of the state. It doesn't help their professional development. How do you get a good superintendent if the assistant superintendent can't move up because the superintendent's come back and taken the same job again? Um, does this happen in the private sector at all? With, I mean, even now that defined benef pension benefits are fading out in the private sector, um, like auto workers, do they retire after 30 years, get a pension, and then go work someplace else? Well, sure they do, but but I think your but I think your question though goes to I mean, you, there's all sorts of corporate executives who retire, but then are hired back as consultants, so, you know. and they work so many hours a week or, or per month or whatever it is, and collect pretty generous amounts of money. But I would like to go back, if I may, just one more time to this idea of defined contribution plans. I think that one of the big issues in this country over the next number of years is going to be what I would call retirement security. Defined contribution plans, which are usually anchored by 401ks, we've just seen in this last recession. They don't work very well. A lot of people have been hammered. They work great for a while. Then they go, then they yeah, it, well, it, it goes yeah. great as long as the stock market's yeah. going up. Stock market goes down, you get hammered, you got to work for many more years than you thought. I don't think just dumping more people into a defined contribution plan, I'm talking about public employees now, just dumping more of them into a plan that's not, into a, a system that's not working is the answer. I think Retirement security is going to be a major issue in this country. I think the main difference between what's going on in, in, in the, with the public employees and the and versus the private sector is that obviously public employees, it's taxpayer dollars, mm -hmm. and I think that's, that's where we that's where we have the big problem here. And I think where states like Ohio, who a year from now is going to be looking at a six or eight billion dollar deficit problem, I think they're going to start looking at these public employee pension plans 
a lot more closely and they're going to see where states can start saving dollars, good amounts of money on these kind of programs. I think the legislature will look into this issue and probably do something. The pension systems have ter terrific lobbyists and that's one reason something hasn't happened so far. But this is something they can do and they can say or they can project that we're going to save money. The real tough problem the legislature has is the one Bob mentioned about the six to eight billion dollar budget deficit or whatever and they're going to put off doing something about that as long as they can but they want to have some achievements and this is uh, they can do some tinkering do with it. Yeah City Council and Columbus City Council had to take back some of the pension benefits to get their income tax passed last mm -hmm. summer. So it's been it's done. It's a popular issue with taxpayers. I mean, yes, it is. taxpayers right now have been very vocal about big bonuses in, in the private sector. I mean, and as you point out, this is the public sector. This is tax dollars. Yeah. Let's go to our next topic. It's nearing July. It's only July, but there have been some interesting, albeit rather trivial, items in the campaign news section. A John Kasich's spokesman caused a flap when he ridiculed Ted Strickland for, quote, growing up in a chicken shack. Rob Nichols, the spokesman, later apologized, but he also claimed a double standard. And LeBron James, LeBron James, of all people, became a campaign issue. Bob Clegg, let's get to the chicken shack <laughs> politics. The Dems claim this shows that Kasich is not in touch with rural Ohio. Will it stick? No. <laughs> um, it, you know, and I know that, that Kasich spokesman said he was only um, saying the same thing that the governor himself had said once about growing once, up. You know, many for times. many times <laughs> that he had to grow up for a while in, yeah. a, in a chicken coop, not a chicken shack. It was only uh, a certain few months while this, this house yes, was rebuilt because yes. of the fire. Yes. But he always he t likes to tell that yep. story, which is fine. Uh, but uh, that just shows when it's you telling a story about yourself, it's okay. When it's somebody else, no, you can't. And, and it's going to be, they're going to try to use it against you. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that is out there because uh, there's a lot of go getting around that big fat gorilla like the budget or, uh, you know, 10.7% unemployment. There's a lot of big issues out there that are tough issues. And it's easier to focus on this little stuff than focusing on the big problems that the state has. Keeping the chicken shack analogy again, but Kasich keeps stepping in it <laughs> and letting people target this instead of talking about what, what Dale and Democrats don't want to talk about is the 400,000 jobs that have lost. Well, you know, he's talking about that. Yeah. I mean, he's talking about it, and we have ads yeah. that have been running on, on TV from the Republican Governors Association that talk about all the jobs that have been lost. I mean, they want to talk about it. Now, obviously, the governor doesn't want to talk about this, so that's why his campaign people are focusing on chicken shacks and but LeBron. Why, and well, the campaign not? hasn't focused on John Kasich yet. Most people don't know who he is. And one incident, you're right, people aren't going to pay any attention to it, but these things can have a cumulative effect. Maybe the biography ads coming out in August. John Kasich has a great narrative, too, but yeah. the Democrats, this was uh, Christmas in Ju June for them. Uh, they have the Lehman Brothers, uh, he doesn't disclose. We got LeBron James, and now we got the Chicken Shack. Now maybe it'll all just wash away, but some people might say there's a pattern here. Uh, I, would, I would say that the importance of the Chicken Shack comment 
uh, isn't that it was demeaning to Ted Strickland. It's A, it's two things. A, it plays into the narrative of Wall Street versus Main Street that the Strickland campaign very much wants to press. Uh, when you have your spokesman make a comment like this, it looks for all the world like you are working for a guy who favors the wealthy, people who don't live in McMansions, and let's face it, Kasich's not going to be elected if those are the only votes he gets. But the other part of it is, and, and this goes to the LeBron James thing and, 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 and a lot of other things, there are unforced errors that are occurring in this case of campaign with regularity, which demonstrates, in my view, that neither he nor his team are ready for prime time. Let's get to the LeBron. We can, we've mentioned the LeBron James uh, sure. gaffe, or whatever you want to call it, a few times. Let's get to the ad that's running uh, on the web by the Democratic uh, Campaign Committee. guy I worry about is LeBron James. <laughs> we might need to, you know, steal some players out of New York to help yeah, us out. I understand, but you know, your opponent has joined the chorus to keep James in Cleveland. I just wonder if you're going to join that. I'm, in, not, uh, I'm, not, I'm not singing in any chorus for LeBron James. <laughs> you're not? Can no. I The newsworthy part of that ad is there's a group out there, apparently, OhioAgainstLeBronJames.com. I mean, I assume that's yeah, set up. Yeah, I wonder who started that. Yeah. So <laughs> you, can, you could say, Bob, Democrats are against LeBron James. I mean, I, Mike, does this really matter? No, I'll tell you what. I, if you're, let's say you're somebody in northwest Ohio, and let's say you're in the, uh, the area of where that tornado just hit, you're going to be more concerned today that President Obama and the federal government wouldn't declare you a disaster, which means you don't qualify for those federal funds. That's going to mean more than that will mean when it gets down to people voting. But most of the voters in Ohio are in northeastern Ohio, yeah. Republicans, Democrats, and independents. And LeBron James is like, James is like a religion up there. And I, I appreciate his advocacy, and, and he's right, it may wash away. But to think that LeBron James is not important to Cleveland, Akron, Youngstown, the wealthy suburbs around Cleveland, it's absurd. Yeah, and That's what they're talking about. And you know, pundits like we all are here, who sit here and always talk about, oh, they're not talking about the real issues. Let's remember, part of why Scott Brown won that special election up in Massachusetts for Ted Kennedy's seat is because Martha Coakley, the Democrat, said she couldn't be bothered standing outside in the cold at Fenway Park to shake hands with folks. Those are the kinds of things that have an impact on people who maybe don't follow what we all would regard as the real issues all that closely. Well, I remember John Kasich 30 years ago. I'm old, 1982. He was lean, hungry. He went door to door. Uh, he talked to everybody he could. He was running for a congressional seat. He was a terrific campaigner. I wondered what happened to him. He would have never made a, a comment like that. Uh, I think the whole thing, you know, I mean, the, the chicken shack, this, it just shows how, you know, when there's an opportunity to talk about real issues, jobs, I mean, the, the chicken shack comment came in response to a speech Lieutenant Governor Candidate Yvette Br McGee Brown made about urban cities in our state. Why couldn't they have taken that opportunity to talk about urban issues yeah. facing our state? Why did they take that opportunity to talk about a chicken shack. Yeah, Strickland has a terrible what? record on cities. Cleveland's losing more residents than anybody. Let's Dayton to, is a... Let's get to the... Uh, no, 
we've criticized the, the case of campaign, but still the polls show that Republicans are very energized. NPR has a poll out saying that, you know, 53% are more energized or whatever it was than they were four years and ago. That's, and that's know. what it's, that's going to be the big problem. I mean, we can talk about all of this, but the mere fact that John Kasich got over 100,000 more votes in the primary than John K or than uh, Ted Strickland got, and they had the high-profile primary race, just shows that it really doesn't matter. It's about getting your people out to vote, and I don't know how many voters are going to come out because LeBron James is or is not going to be with the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers. It's not going to matter. LeBron James isn't going to matter come November. He's, you know, this will all be, we'll be talking about something else then. But you're right. Mm -hmm. The Republicans are energized and the Democrats aren't so energized this time. It's not unusual, mid, you know, midterm election. But what are they going to do? Is, is Strickland going to be able to get them, rally them, you know, to the polls? Yeah. First of all, this Gallup poll that we're talking about, the so-called enthusiasm gap, is a national poll. And all, all historically, the enthusiasm gap has meant is that the, the, the party that has more enthusiasm wins more congressional seats in that year's election. History already tells us that the Democrats are going to lose seats in this year's congressional elections. It's the first midterm following a presidential election. The party in power always loses seats. There's only been two times in modern history when that hasn't happened. Um, but when you come to Ohio and you try to assess the governor's race, let's remember, an election is a choice between two people. It's going to be Ted Strickland, not versus some idealized Republican, but versus John Kasich. The same guy who is who, because of his own missteps and his teams, are, is always off message. I, this guy has had so many self-inflicted wounds that if he loses this November, it's going to be ruled a suicide. And, and Dale, maybe <laughs> less than less than two percent of the electorate knows that. So how can you explain the fact that there was a hundred thousand more Republicans that came out in the primary, even though Democrats have a much greater registration edge in Ohio than Republicans. The way I can explain it, Bob, is to say that Strickland has been ahead of Kasich in every poll that's been done in this state. No, no that's no, not no, true, no, Dale. No. Just the rest the polls of the like. five, per, yeah. five, per, yeah. five well, points down. Uh, save, save one. Uh, no, uh, no, no, no. Survey USA Channel 4 showed Strickland's approval rate way down at 35%. But that's different from a head-to-head -head contest yeah. against Strickland. And approval rating is different. And that, and, and but 35% is pretty low. Well, but wait, wait, but wait a minute. And now. he hasn't now, been be, able to get above 50% uh, in over a year. If, if we were for an incumbent, that's, that's, that's... Ohio poll had him at 55%. He's above 50, yeah. but not much. And, yeah. and mm -hmm. let me just say, is if we're going to cite this Survey Ohio, this Survey USA poll, let's remember... May 28th, the Ohio poll showed Strickland's job approval rating the highest it's ever been. Now, what has happened in the intervening two weeks to have it plummet like that? He, Strickland has had no problems. There has there there have been 10.7 percent unemployment. There have, well, but that but that has been there. That that has been there. Kasich's the one who's had the stumbles and the pratfalls over the last two weeks. So all I'm saying is, I think this Survey USA poll <coughs> is likely an outlier, and it's prob there's some problem. Well, couldn't the Ohio poll be an outlier though? Because no, really I don't jump. think so. It's pretty consistent with yeah. the Quinnipiac okay. poll and their methodology. But, but Quinnipiac is using the turnout model of the November 2008 election, which we know is not going to be used anyway. Don't you think a lot of this is out of Strickland's hands? I mean, it, it's oh, pretty it's much Obama up to... Obama and the oil spill. It's Obama and Afghanistan. And, and jobs and the economy jobs here and, and how, yeah. how, you know, how, reasonably speaking, how low can our unemployment drop 
between now and November. I mean, maybe that's, I don't know, I think factors like that are going to play in a lot yeah. more Bill, than let me ask you another else. factor, just we have about two minutes left. The ballot questions, they failed to qualify, two of them, the repeal the health care law, or at least parts of it, and the Ohio sovereignty question, both didn't make the ballot. Have to wait till uh, 2011, next they're year. Trying to, they're trying to get off of 2011. And whether Ohio can be excluded from the federal health care plan and whether state sovereignty trumps, trumps federal sovereignty. I heard a uh, representative of the Tea Party movement said they're going to keep on pushing with the health care issue and try to get it on the ballot next year. There will be a ballot issue about the humane treatment of animals. Yeah. Uh, and so far there's a ballot issue uh, about putting video slot machines at Ohio's seven racetracks. There's talk that this is going to be withdrawn. So voters may get one crack at a constitutional issue. All, all of the Tea Party flailings notwithstanding, the health care bill is not going to be repealed. History shows you don't repeal entitlement programs in this country. Those which, which party or politician is going to stake his or her seat on saying, well, we should not close the donut hole for seniors, we should not allow kids to stay on their parents' plans for 26. Let's give Bob 10 seconds to respond, yeah. then we've got to get to off the record. Okay. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, well, I, the vast majority of Ohioans and the people in the United States want to repeal the bill. That's your only problem. Okay. Well, time will tell. <laughs> Let's get to our final off-the-record parting shots. And, Bob Clegg, <laughs> we will start with you. Uh, I just think this is going to be a very, uh, we haven't seen the end of these, these side issues, these little issues that are going to be out there. I think that's going to, they're going to try to make that the dominant issues of, of this campaign, but it will not be. It'll be down to unemployment and the economy. All right, Dale. I want to follow up on something that you said last week, Mike, uh, when we lost a good colleague and friend, uh, Gil Price, uh, unexpectedly passed away. Uh, Gil was laid to rest today, today being Friday. Um, I just want to say, uh, and I know I speak for all of my colleagues here and the others who aren't here today, to say we're really going to miss Gil, who is a wonderful family man, man of the cloth, and uh, he's someone we're going to miss, and his family uh, and all of his many friends are in our thoughts and prayers. Indeed. Bill? Unfor unforced errors are the worst kind in politics as well as in sports. Even if John Kasich doesn't want to beg LeBron James to stay in <laughs> Cleveland, he should take some shooting lessons from the King. So the next time he doesn't shoot himself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> and Kathy? I was going to talk about LeBron James also, and I'm going to say I think LeBron's gone. I think he's gone. I just have a bad feeling about it. We'll see. And the, the end result of all this controversy this week is if LeBron <laughs> leaves, John Kasich can't blame Ted Strickland because <laughs> he didn't care. <laughs> that is Columbus on the record for this week. We urge you to check us out online. We are on Facebook and even Twitter. I'm proud to say we're on Twitter right now. You can connect to all of that via our website, wosu.org slash cotr. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and for our panel, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week.